Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. That phrase began <clears throat> with the word therefore. Because of what he had just said, what he was talking about, he was saying, because of this, flee from idolatry. We want to think about what he said to understand why it was so bad to be involved in idolatry. Our theme for the year is to drink from the spiritual rock. And in this text that we are developing all year, he is writing, Paul is, about the Israelites and various things that happened to them in the wilderness, wandering. <clears throat> and one of them was that he said, they were idolaters. Now, if you go back to the time that they were set up as the people of God. Right there at Mount Sinai, God is ready for them to become his people as he gives them his law for their lives. And all of a sudden, from the smoke and fire that was on the mountain, God, in his booming voice, gave the people the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy 5. And the people could not stand it. We don't want to listen to him anymore, Moses. You go up there and talk to God, and then you come back and tell us what he said. I don't want to listen to him anymore. I can imagine that would be true, to hear the booming voice of God. But why did they not pay attention? For he said, I am the Lord your God. <clears throat> you shall have no other gods before me. And in just a few days, after being scared by the voice of God who made that statement, they built an idol god, a golden calf, and fell down to worship. Why did they not pay attention? It is said that there are over 600 million people in the world today who practice some form of idol worship. That's staggering. It is those people who choose to approach God through an image that they can see. 
One interesting fact that I wonder about idolatry is idolatry, in fact, <clears throat> an acknowledgement that God exists. In Romans 1, when God gave the evidence for the fact that you could see him in nature, the Gentiles should have seen him. What did they do instead? They made an idol. Yes, the idol was wrong, but what were they doing? Worshiping. <clears throat> it, there was a draw within them that said, we have to worship. And even though they made an idol God to do it, it was proof that God really does exist because they were led, drawn, driven to worship God. <clears throat> For a few minutes, think with me about idol worship in the Bible. The Bible makes reference to a number of idols that people worship. <clears throat> We've already seen the golden calf. There are other idols that appeared in the, New, in the Old Testament. The female idol god, Ashtoreth. There is the god Baal or Baal. Another one named Chemosh. One named Dagon. And then there was that awful god, Molech. A 40-foot stature with arms outspread, declined inside where these idol worshipers would place infants who would roll down the arms and into the belly of Molech where there was a fire that burned continuously. Depraved people caught up in idol worship. Deuteronomy 4 speaks of people who worshiped the heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars. And even in the household of one of the patriarchs, Genesis 31 says that they had their own household images. Idol worship seems to be prolific. But it's just not the ancient days of old. The New Testament comes along and says, yeah, there is. There's idol worship there too. The Christians lived in the society of the Roman Empire, and they had their gods that they had taken from the Greek Empire, gave them different names, but now they had the same gods. So there was Jupiter, who was the protector of the state. There was Juno, who was the protector of women. And Minerva, who was the protector of crafts. And workmen. There were others. There was Mars, the god of war. There were some listed in Scripture, even in Acts 14, 
When Paul and Barnabas performed great miracles, the people rushed to them and were going to sacrifice to them because they said they are Jupiter and Mars who have come here amongst us as gods. And in Acts 17, the great Diana of the Ephesians is listed as one of the idol gods. Idol worship was a part of all of those societies. But idol worship is a part of our society. Idol worship is not something that is only for those people in those countries that haven't been educated and they don't have material things. They are third world countries and people who don't really, they're not too smart, we think. But idol worship doesn't happen in America. And surely idol worship doesn't happen in Richmond and certainly... Idol worship is not a part of the lives of any people assembling in person or online today. Surely not. Particularly, we will consider the specifics of how idol, idols look like me and they look like you. But for the last few minutes, think with me about why it is that Paul said, therefore, flee from idolatry. I want to suggest to you it is because what the concept of what idol worship is brings such terrible things into our lives. If you would like to look at the text with me, I would call your attention to Isaiah 44 and to 1 Corinthians 10, our text for today. And I want you to notice with me the progress, or shall I say, the regress of idolatry. And why it is that God said, get away from it. Because God tells us in these passages what idolatry is all about. Let's just see for a minute if it affects any one of us. Number one. God wants us to know that self-centeredness is the seedbed of idolatry. When I am focused on me, and when I decide that I'm important, when I decide I'm going to do my own thing, when I plan my own path, when I get my own life going, rooted in me, I am creating the seedbed of idol worship. 
in, in Isaiah 44. Starting in verse 9, those who make an image, all of them are useless. Their precious things will not profit. They are their own witnesses. They neither see nor know that they may be ashamed. Who would form a God or mold an image that profits him nothing? Surely all his companions would be ashamed. The workmen, they are mere men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up. Yet they shall fear. They shall be ashamed together. These were people who because they wanted to do it, because they were thinking only about themselves, these were people who had the seedbed of idolatry planted in them. The text of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says that we should use them as examples. Not to follow after what they did. Not to follow after their lusts. Because they followed themselves. They were self-centered people. I'm going to throw another passage in in a way that might help understand additionally what God said. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, John said this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. For all that is in the world, number one, the lust of the flesh. Self-centeredness. When I concentrate on this physical life and all I'm concerned about is what's going on physically. When the priorities of my life are dedicated to the physical pursuits. What is happening every day in life and what's going on in work and in play and in family. And it's all about the physical That I am self-centered. <clears throat> and in being self-centered, I am creating a seedbed where idolatry could easily rise. Number two, materialism is the fruit of idolatry. Materialism says what is here and now and what I can hold on to, that's what I want. We mentioned in class this morning of a religious group in our world that makes it very clear <clears throat> they don't want to go to heaven. They don't want to be a part of heaven. They want to be a part of a physical world as physical people living a perfectly physical life, still enjoying all the benefits of the physical, and yet having been remade by God, they don't decay, they never die, they just live eternally on this physical planet. 
materialism is a scourge on our society. And materialism is a problem for the Lord's church because it takes our attention away from the spiritual. In the text of 1 Corinthians, the writer tells us about the material. They idolized a God that they could see. So they made an image that they could touch. Verse 7. They idolized and worshipped themselves. So they practiced all kinds of sexual immorality. Verse number 8. They idolized immediate satisfaction physically. Therefore, having come out of Egypt and seeing how God destroyed the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea, immediately when they needed a drink, they were complaining and they were upset. They didn't have water. And their love of immediate satisfaction cost them. That was their way of idolatry. And finally, they're idolizing the easy way. When they finally came to the promised land, and 10 of the 12 spies said, it's too tough. We can't do it. They all rebelled and spent the next 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. They were destroyed by the destroyer. The writer of Isaiah talked about materialism this way. The blacksmith with the tongs works one in the coals fashions it with hammers, works it with the strength of his arms. Even so, he is hungry, his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The craftsman stretches out his rule. He marks one with chalk. He fashions it with a plane. He marks it out with a compass and makes it like the figure of a man according to the beauty of a man that it may remain in the house. He cuts down cedars for himself. And takes the cypress and the oak and secures it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine and the rain nourishes it. Then it shall be for a man to burn. For he will take some of it and warm himself. Yes, he kindles it and bakes bread. Indeed, he makes a god and worships it. He makes a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in the fire. And with this half, he eats meat. He roasts a roast and is satisfied, he even warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it, he makes into a god his carved image, 
he falls down before it and worships it, prays to it, and says, Deliver me. You are my God. From the same tree, the same piece of wood, this material thing, materialism, is the fruit of the idle mind. And finally, third, self-justification is the goal of idolatry. Listen again to Isaiah. They do not know nor understand, for he has shut their eyes so they cannot see, and their hearts they cannot understand. No one considers in his heart, nor is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned half of it in the fire. Yes, I also baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat and eaten it. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deceived heart has turned him aside. He cannot deliver his soul, nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? The purpose is to justify self. The purpose is to say, I can do this because I can. Therefore, to him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Therefore, flee from idolatry. Paul said that because idolatry brings into one's life a self-centered, materialistic, Self-justifying life. Here's the question. How does that affect me? How does that affect you? We need to look at our lives and be able to ascertain, am I idolizing things in a way that takes away from God. Because this world will not continue. And all the works that are therein will be burned up, 2 Peter 3. Therefore, what manner of persons ought we to be? That's the question. And the answer is we ought to be Christians who emphasize the spiritual while living in the physical rather than emphasizing the physical and ignoring the spiritual. Today, if you're not a child of God, maybe idolatry has taken you away. Maybe it's more important for you to be involved in the things of this world than to be involved in the things of God.
maybe you would like to change that. Or maybe you need help with your idols. As a people, we stand ready to help anyone deal with those things. Our shepherds will be here if you need them while we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.